Welcome to our study of the book of Revelation. It's a video series that's going to help us beware and be aware of the signs and the events and the spirit of the times to be ready for that last day, the day of judgment, the reappearance of Jesus. But while we wait to be blessed and to not be afraid because we do belong to him. Now, we've talked about this chiastic structure of the book of Revelation. It just means there's a literary form, I think, there, um, that, uh, that the real author, which is God himself, gives uh, to the apostle John, and he is told to write these letters to the churches. So um, the chiastic structure is taken from this idea that it looks like uh, part of an X, right? You move your way into the middle of the book with certain themes, A, B, C, and D. Then you hit that main point in the middle, and then you make your way out of the book with the similar themes. And so uh, we've talked about how uh, you can see this chiastic structure uh, displayed in uh, in the themes of the book. And, and uh, this is adapted from the book of Revelation, that commentary by G.K. Beale. So it begins and ends with a prologue and epilogue, right? Similar themes. There's a vision of the imperfect church. Uh, you see that Revelation chapters 2 and 3, the letters to the seven churches, but also the promise and fulfillment of the perfect church, um, and so you could call that theme B. There's judgments on the world, and that's theme C. There's judgments on the ungodly. And then that central section, that beautiful place that describes the war of the ages, but how uh, we have this victory in the person and the work of Jesus, the Lamb of God, uh, that takes away the sin of the world. So we're going to go through uh, just that central portion, uh, Revelation chapters 12 through 15. And it speaks of the woman and the dragon, uh, the beast out of the sea, the beast uh, out of the earth, and the, the, the portrayal of the lamb and the 144,000. So in Revelation chapter 12, uh, the text says, there was a great sign that was seen in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars, and she was with child, and she cried out in pain, laboring to give birth. And so uh, we can see that this woman, and again we think Old Testament, uh, she had on her head this crown of twelve stars, and that she was with child. And so you think of the letter, uh, the number twelve in the Old Testament, referring to the patriarchs. Uh, the promised family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And from this seed of the woman, going back to Genesis chapter 3, there is a promise that one day God himself will take on human flesh. Uh, and we see it fulfilled in uh, the Virgin Mary. Jesus conceived uh, by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And so there's promise, the promise of the seed of the woman all throughout the Old Testament given to uh, this family, this family of the 12 patriarchs. Now, another sign was seen in heaven and behold, a great red dragon. So conflict immediately, right? And having seen, having seven heads and 10 horns on his head, uh, he had seven crowns and his tail drew one third of the stars of the sky and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. And so uh, just as there is a promise of 
the Messiah that comes, so also there is the reality that the anti-Trinity will be forever fighting uh, against this promised Messiah and the gifts that he gives, the forgiveness of sins. Now, she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. So, very specifically, uh, talking about the birth of Jesus, a male child. He rules the nations. Again, not a kingdom of power like we would know with swords, right, and uh, physical thrones, but not rather how he rules uh, this nation uh, of God, this family of God, this kingdom of priests, through his word and uh, through the forgiveness of sins. And how he's caught up to God. Well, that's uh, that's a description of the ascension of Jesus 40 days uh, after his death and his resurrection. And then it says, there was this war in the sky. Michael and his angels made war on the dragon, and the dragon and his angels made war, and they didn't prevail. No place was found for them anymore in heaven, and the great dragon was thrown down, the old serpent, he who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, and he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So this war in the sky, uh, we get a picture of this in the ministry and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. This is when the accuser, the dragon called the devil, is hurled down. No longer can he accuse the family of God, um, but rather uh, we now have a brother we have an advocate, we have an intercessor, the one who has made atonement for us. And so the devil cannot accuse us anymore. He's called that serpent again, the deceiver. And so this war in heaven, you could say is during that period of uh, the incarnation, the ministry, the work, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And so he is thrown down. Now, when he's thrown down to the earth, he goes after the church. He goes after the offspring of the church, which is uh, the faithful, those who believe in Christ Jesus. It says here, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. And in verse 17 of Revelation chapter 12, it says that the dragon grew angry with the woman and went away to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep God's commandments and hold to Jesus' testimony. And so uh, this this devil, this anti-trinity is thrown down to the earth. And now he is ever against, ever against the, the church of Jesus Christ, the offspring, the children of God. So Revelation chapter 12 speaks of this defeat of the devil in the heavenlies, but he goes and he makes war against the church until the end of time. So you see in Revelation chapter 13, then the henchmen, the henchmen of the devil, the agents that the devil uses uh, to attack the church from within and from without. And you'll hear of the beast that comes out of the sea and the beast that comes out of the land. land. But in Revelation chapter 14, in, in the conflict, you get a vision of the lamb standing on Mount Zion. And with him, it says, there's a number, 144,000 having his name and the name of his father written on their foreheads, the name of God upon the full number of 
the church, those who belong to Christ Jesus, have this name placed upon them, name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Revelation chapter 15, it sounds like an Exodus moment here, right? We'll learn more about that. It says, this church, uh, they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, great and marvelous are your works, Lord God, the Almighty, righteous and true are your ways, you king of the nations. Who wouldn't fear you, Lord, and glorify your name? For you only are holy, for all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And so um, you see this conflict, right? Um, moving into the middle of the book and coming out of, out of the book. And uh, in very vivid ways, the portrayal of a deceiver, an enemy, a serpent, an accuser, the one called the devil. No longer can he accuse uh, us before the Father. He is hurled down to the earth. But that conflict, right, is ever ongoing. Conflict and persecution that comes against uh, the family of God, the children of God, uh, born within the church. But the good news is that God himself places his name upon us. This, uh, this 144,000 uh, though all of those who believe in Christ Jesus, all of those who have this name placed upon them, they are with the Lamb. Uh, they uh, have been made white. They wear white robes uh, because of the blood of, of the Lamb. And we hold on to this, uh, this great hope that though we are in the conflict now, as uh, the structure would suggest, we're making our way towards the great day of the Lord. So, the day where the imperfect church will become the perfect church. All things will be made new. When all of the promises given to this, uh, this church that, that fights against devil, death, and sin are fulfilled. And so this is the great hope, again, of the book. Uh, Revelation chapters 2 and 3, uh, this pattern of the letters, will um, give us great, um, great promises. So there'll be a command to write, you'll find. There'll be a description of the speaker. That's who we'll always trust in. There'll be accommodation to us as the church. Uh, if there's needed a criticism, a call to repent, a warning, an admonition as we live in this world, a call to hear and obey, but also then, then a promise. So we're going to look at uh, some of those letters in Revelation chapter uh, chapters 2 and 3. But this is a book. Again, we keep going back to this um, little tagline. Uh, I think it's filled with uh, with hope and great meaning that we are to beware and be aware of the signs and the spear of the times. Uh, to be ready, right, for that last day, the day of judgment, the reappearance of Jesus, when he will make all things new. Uh, but while we wait, there is that great hope that we hold on to uh, specifically seeing it in Revelation chapters 12 through 15, that we do belong to Jesus, that we are blessed, and that we are not, uh, uh, not called to be afraid because we have the Lamb, right? The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world.